Hello and welcome to our new podcast, the RS Weekly, where we will be covering a wide range of sporting topics from around the globe. Let me introduce myself. I'm Reese, and this is Sam. You right, guys? Um, welcome to our brand new YouTube channel slash podcast channel. The brand new. The brand new one, yeah, the RS Weekly. Um, yeah, we've basically started this one, and uh, yeah... We'll see where we can go with yeah, it. Yeah, we'll see where we go with it. We'll see where we get. Um, as in the title, this will be a weekly podcast where we will be rounding up what we've seen in the past week from sporting events. Although, let's be honest, there isn't a great lot to choose from, so we'll start with the Bundesliga, which returned yesterday. It did. It did. Shall we um, start off with the first game in the Bundesliga then, which was Borussia Dortmund versus Schalke. Schalke, the, what was the Derby, what's the Derby called again? The, it's the Revier the Derby. The Derby. It so, said yesterday there was about 17 miles between yeah. the teams, so it's fairly, I mean, it's closer than Scunny Grimsby. Yeah, it is. But um, yeah, big, big game, 2.30 kickoff. How strange was it watching with no fans in the ground? Weird. Really weird. No, I'm, like... When you go to Brush Dortmund and the ground and you expect to go there and have a, a, a massive atmosphere. To there. see the yellow wall. Yeah, the yellow brick wall. It was weird, man. But, um, yeah, I think it was strange. It was <clears throat> very strange. But I think the players did very well to keep the distances, as in the substitutions benches and everyone took took it serious, they put masks on and stuff, and yeah, I think it was weird. It Very was strange weird. watching the substitutes sit two metres apart yeah. from one another, but th- they'll take the mask off, come onto the pitch, and they'll mark someone up from a corner yeah. and stand right next yeah. to them. I mean, we'll get onto that a bit later. There's some things that really need ironing out, because that just did not make sense to me at all. Yeah, we'll discuss them later on, about what we think about that. But yeah, anyway, back to Dortmund Schalke. Um... Borussia Dortmund 4, Schalke 0. Um, the goal scorers were Erling Haaland. Um, Again. Guerrero. Yeah, Guerrero got two, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, Guerrero got two and Togan Hazard got one. Um, who was your standout player in this game? Because I know who mine was. <clears throat> I think there was a couple that really caught my eye yesterday. I will say Erling Haaland took his goal really well. But as a whole, I thought he kind of drifted in and out a little bit. But you know what you're going to get from Erling Haaland. I mean, the guy, to me, is a superstar. But I think my standout players yesterday, Julian Brandt, I think he was good yesterday. From what I've seen, because I do follow a lot of Dortmund on social media, um, I follow the Twitter pages, the Instagram the Dortmund fans, they really, really appreciate what talent he has, but he is quite inconsistent still. And I think if he's going to be a top, top player, he needs to kind of iron that out his game. Because there was moments yesterday when he kept giving the ball away, and I'm thinking top, top players very rarely ever give the ball away. But to be fair to him, yesterday he gave Guerrero the pass for Guerrero's first goal in the first half, um, kind of stopped the ball dead played it a little ball to his left-hand side. Guerrero ran on and smashed it bottom bins for, I think it was, was it, it 2-0? Second goal, yeah. yeah. Um, Brandt played well yesterday. I was quite impressed with Hummels again. I think that's been a masterstroke, getting Hummels back in from Bayern Munich. 
he knows the club inside out. The fans love him. He clearly loves it there. Um, I thought Hakimi was brilliant yesterday. Some of, it's just, yeah. I mean, talk about someone who looks at... He's powered on Duracell, that lad, because he just keeps going and going and going. There was a point in the... In, I think it was in the first half. He must have knocked a ball 10 yards in front of him and it was going to go out of play and he just managed to find that extra half a yard pace got onto it and managed to get a crossing. And that was just one of the examples yesterday. I thought Hakimi was very good. And I think Dortmund should buy him in the summer. I think they should slap some money on Madrid's table because I think Madrid would want him. Well, I think Madrid would sell him. Um, They'd want the money for him, wouldn't they? I thought it's just, Hazard... It's just what they want for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you always know if a, if a team's going to send a player out on a two-year loan, he doesn't really figure in their plans. So I can't understand why they won't just sell him because... I mean, to me, if you're going to send someone out a two-year loan, I think that's pointless. You clearly don't want him at the football club, or unless it genuinely is for like a development purpose. But um, I think Hakimi was very good yesterday. Julian Brandt, Guerrero, took his goals really well. I mean, his, his last goal, <laughs> he played it off the outside of oh, his left yeah. foot. Um, Did you hear what the commentators said? It was off the outside of his right foot. Yeah, for, how can he do that? Yeah, he it was off, yeah, it was off his outside of his left foot, not his right. I don't know what they was on about no, that. I don't, I don't know what game they was watching. That was Steve McManaman for you. Yeah, anyway, typical. Yeah, um, <laughs> My player of the match was Julian Brandt. I thought he was outstanding yesterday in the midfield. I really he did. Was I thought good. he was outstanding. He was very good yesterday. Um, Schalke, absolutely poor yesterday. They did not look interested at all. Do you know what I think the problem was? In the first half, when I was watching Schalke, the way they was lining up, they play with one centre-forward... And there was playing, is it Benito Rahman? Yeah, Benito Number Rahman. nine. He, yeah. He's up front on his own. You're playing against Hummels and Akanji, who were no mugs themselves. And the way that they was playing yesterday, he was so isolated. I'm like, how, how? get him some service. Play him into the game. You know, I'm watching a team yesterday that was fairly competent. We're knocking the ball around. Uh, I thought, I mean, Harrit, number 25 on the left wing. I thought he looked fairly handy yesterday. I've seen him. I've seen him play a few times, and I thought he was decent. But he, there was. I mean, the, the centre forward was so isolated. I mean, Bergstaller when he came on in the second half did a bit better, but still the game had almost gone then. By the time Bergstaller, I think Bergstaller came on at half time. He did. He did. He um, came on for uh, Tadebo. He did. Oh, was it? Is it? Was it Tadebo? He came yeah, on. Yeah, Tadebo, come on. Sorry, um, I just think, yeah, I mean, they, they looked poor yesterday. All in all, I think they was pretty poor. They look, I mean, the centre forward was isolated. I think they kind of ran out of steam in the second half. They looked disinterested, which is a bit disappointing. If you're a Schalke fan, I'd be fuming at that yesterday. Question for you: Do you reckon it was because of the coronavirus? Do you reckon that took an Im- impact? Um, I think we'd be naive to say it wouldn't have an impact because the teams have had no match fit. But look how sharp Dortmund looked yesterday compared to how. Schalke look, there's a there was a huge difference there. The thing is, the first, and I'm not going to be biased because I, obviously I, I love Dortmund. I think they're a, I think they've got a great setup at their place, but I think in the first ten minutes, Dortmund didn't look up to it. No, they did at they, first. They struggled to get into it, and then it was think. like <laughs> that switch clicked, and it was like boom, we have to play serious now. This we have to go out. I and we have the, to perform. The first goal was crucial. Yeah. I mean, Torgan Hazard's cross for Haaland's goal. When you've got a centre-forward that's willing to get in the box and he wants to score every time he gets the ball, you have to get service into him like that. I thought the first goal, it really knocked Schalke yesterday. It looked like it kind of knocked... I mean, at 1-0, it shouldn't do in a local derby, but it looked like it knocked the stuffing out of them a little bit. 
they didn't really look to have much of an idea. Um, I, I mean, if I was a Schalke fan yesterday, I'd be really disappointed with that because the team in the second half just looked disinterested. Do you remember we turned to each other, didn't we? There was a, there was a period in the second half where Guerrero and Brandt knocked the ball between each other like four or five times. Oh, yeah. No Schalke play no. within ten yards of him. Like yeah. that is not that's not acceptable. That we'd get bollocked if that was also. Can you imagine if we stood there letting a team do yeah. that? And that's Sunday league level. Yeah. Like you cannot let teams do that. They're taking the piss, aren't they? Yeah. Really. From, um, from the first goal though, it was really well played from Benat to. Um, Benat to Togan Hazard and Hazard for an absolute. Beautiful ball into Haaland. The way Haaland opened up. And yeah, just opened beautiful. his left foot out yeah, into, into the far corner. Brilliant finish. But, um, yeah, that was uh, Borussia Dortmund and Schalke. Um, let's, next up, Augsburg versus Wolfsburg. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure about this one. Um, I mean, just quickly looking at the league tables, Wolfsburg do sit in the Europa League places. They've had a fairly steady season this year. Um, Augsburg are struggling down at the bottom. Although, if you look at the amount of goals that Augsburg have scored, it shows they can score. They just let a lot in. Like yeah. I mean, they've conceded, they've conceded fifty four goals this year, which is I think they're like tied third, third or fourth worst defense in the division. I think it's that. I mean, we watched little bits, didn't we? Um, yeah, I've seen the hi- I've seen bits of the highlights. I have. We saw. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we saw little bits, and it won't. It wasn't great, really, from Augsburg. No, Although, so, to be fair, they managed to get back on level terms at 1-1. Yeah, so the score was 2-1 to Wolfsburg. Um, but it was 2-1 to Augsburg at one point. But it did get disallowed, the goal. Um, I think it was for offside. And then, I think, right on the oh, the 91st minute, uh, Wolfsburg nicked the winner um, which was scored by uh, was it Ginzek. Ginchek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that could that could be a massive, massive propeller now for Wolfsburg getting in the Europa League because if they don't score that goal yesterday, I think it takes it. I mean, because I mean, they, from looking at the stats, they had most of the game really. Um, I mean, Wolfsburg had sixty percent of the ball. They had sixteen shots on goal yesterday. Uh, I mean. Mm. I think that Wolfsburg, they look kind of handy for the Europa League. I don't think they'll push any higher um, just because of the points that are between them and Leverkusen. Um, and obviously RB Leipzig above Leverkusen in fourth. Um, good, win for Augsburg, well, good win for Wolfsburg yesterday. That's about all you can say, really, on it. Um, the next game, moving on to Eintracht Frankfurt versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. We watched this one, didn't we? Yeah, we watched this half past five kickoff yesterday. Two goals in the first seven minutes effectively just smacked Frankfurt off the park with that, really. Um, Mönchengladbach looked really good yesterday. Yeah, they did. Very powerful team. Um, Goal scorers were uh, Plur, uh, Turam, Turam, and and Ben Sabaini. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it was a penalty. penalty. Which I missed because I nipped to the toilet and I didn't have yeah, he goes upstairs. It. He said, "I no, bet you any money I miss a goal." And then he go, he goes upstairs, and then Munch and Gladbach scoring over from a penalty. Um, as as good as Munch and Gladbach looked yesterday, Frankfurt looked piss poor yesterday. Yeah, they only got one goal as well, which was from uh, Andre Silva. Well, good finish, actually. What's a good finish? Pardon me. He he took his goal well. Um, too little, too late though. When you three 0 down, in it. 
it is, mate. It is. Um, especially when you've got it like the likes of Andre Silva on the bench. But Gladbach are in third now. I mean, they look like they could push. I mean, Dortmund are on 54 points. Munch and Gladbach are on 52. Um, Dortmund actually beat Munch and Gladbach in the Borussia derby. That was just, just before, before the lockdown. Happened, yeah, yeah, we watched it here, didn't we? we did, and mate. That was a good game. Um, Munch and Gladbach look a real strong unit this year. Um, I think they've kind of been, for the last couple of years, under different managers, they've kind of been threatening to get, break into that kind of top four mould team. Um, they did play well yesterday. I must say the front two looked frightening. Like They could give anybody in that division problems. I certainly don't think uh, Sula and Boateng would be relishing playing them two anytime no. soon. There's no pace between no, them. But, I don't think they would, mate. Um, yeah, very, very, very good performance from Munchengladbach yesterday. I was well impressed with them. Yep, I think we both was, mate. Um, next game, um, Red Bull Leipzig versus Freiburg. Uh, and this ended up 1-1. This was um, the shot result of the day. Yeah, for this me. was a shot. Yeah, it was me as well, mate. I had him on my bet. Um, I had uh, goal scorers was uh, Gould and Paulson. Paulson for Red Bull Leipzig and did. Gould for Freiburg. They didn't get a goal while the last fifteen minutes, did they, Leipzig? Well, Freiburg's goal actually come from a set piece. It come from a corner, and it was a horrendous defending from Red Bull Leipzig. I watched the highlights. I've watched a goal from Freiburg. It was horrendous defending. It's schoolboy defending, man. It could, the corner literally comes in and the, the um, Red Bull Leipzig players just stand there and watch it. It's like, what are you doing? It's criminal, Attack it. it. Criminal. Or get rid of it, Summit. You can't do that. I mean, God knows. For Especially when you're team. trying to fight for the league as well. You can't well, yeah, you'd think, you'd think, I mean, look, things do happen in football, we know that, but schoolboy defending like that, you, you can't really, uh, like someone from the out looking in, you can't defend that, can nope. you? You, cannot, you can't fathom for people defending like that. I mean... The corner, it wasn't even a great taking corner either, was no, it? It was it just a normal delivery into the box. It wasn't like he absolutely whipped it in with his left peg or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was the shot result of the day yesterday for me. I thought Leipzig was poor, really. Um, all the hype around them this year, they're now sitting in fourth place. They've had a really, I mean, just before the lockdown, they had a really slack kind of, I'd say a couple of games where, they, I mean, one of them they won, I think. But the, the, it's like, at the minute, the pressure's kind of got to them. And this is where I think Dortmund and Bayern Munich are that much far ahead of everybody else. Because Dortmund have won leagues in the, la- well, I mean, in the last decade. Dortmund have won two. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I, do, I, I do think that Leipzig are still, they're still yet to reach that level. Um, I think Nagelsmann's a coach to take them there. But that I was disappointed with them yesterday. I thought they would beat Freiburg at home. Well, I think there was a goal disallowed in this game as well. I think. Yeah, well, but I think, I think it, it was. Was it? Wait, well, it was for Freiburg. I'm sure it was. It was, it yeah. was for Freiburg. Um, Freiburg had a goal disallowed in the ninety third minute. Well, looking back, if Leipzig go on a good run now, they're going to look back at that and think. Yeah, I think that was the turning point. If they lose yesterday, I said to you yesterday, and I stand by this as well. If Leipzig lost yesterday, I think that's them gone. Mm. I can't see them clawing back the point. Not to Munich, maybe to Dortmund, but I don't think they'd claw Munich back. Yeah, I agree, mate. I just think Leipzig didn't. They just didn't turn up properly yesterday. They didn't. No, they won't. They won't. Great, was they? Um, so 
Moving on to the next one. Hoffenheim versus Hertha Berlin. Hoffenheim. Now, in the last couple, of, and especially under Nagelsmann, who's now the manager at RB Leipzig, Hoffenheim, although they're sitting in ninth place, they've had a really average year this year. Um, from the seasons that they've had previously, like I say, under Julian Nagelsmann, this season they, can't, they seem to have fell a bit by the wayside. Um, they had a really strong side. I think they, they sold Demibai to Leverkusen, which was a big loss for him because he was their number 10, their kind of enforcer and creator in midfield. Joe Linton as well. Yeah, they lost Joe Linton, who was a 10-15 goal a season man. Yep. Um, God knows how, but he was. Um, Hertha Berlin. Now, this is a club I actually wanted to touch on. Um I watched like a little thing on YouTube and I don't know if you've seen it, Sam, but there was like a little, it was almost like a short film about Erta Berlin. Did you see that Jürgen Klinsmann was only in charge for about 60, was it 60, 70 days or something this season? They've, I mean, to be fair, they're on 31 points. They've done well to even get there because like at the start of the season and towards Christmas, they look dead and gone. Like the, for a club that size, because they are a big, big club um, in Germany, They've really, really struggled this year. But you look at how, I mean, that result yesterday, it doesn't matter if Hoffenheim aren't as strong. To go and win 3-0 there is a very, very good result. Um, they seem like they've managed to turn it round really well. And especially since the ter- like the turn of Christmas after the... Because the Germans have the Christmas break, don't they? Um, just quickly running over the goal scorers from yesterday. Um, Vedad Ibisevic, been going forever in a year, it feels like. Ibisevic, you know what you're going to get. He's a big, strong number nine. You know exactly what you're going to get from him, which is probably anywhere between five and 15 goals a season. Um, I'll be interested to see how many he's actually on this year. I don't know if it tells you or not. Um, I'm just quickly running over the standings. Kramerich has actually got seven goals for Hoffenheim this year. Kramerich, didn't he used to play for Leicester? Leicester. Uh, well, Ibisevic has got four this year. Um, so he had a, he has had a bit of a slack season. Um, but you, you, it's still a centre-forward and it's a focal point for the team. Mm. The other ga- uh, the other goal, well, there was actually an own goal in this game. Akpaguma um, scored an own goal. Now, I haven't actually seen it yet. I will run back over that one. Um, Matthias Cunha on loan from RB Leipzig. I showed you that goal yesterday when he does a bit of skill down at yeah. the corner flag, brings the ball in and then fires it past the keeper into the far corner. I think that's goal. that was goal of the day. Uh, yeah, I think it Definitely. was goal of the day. When you watch him, if you get a chance, Sam, watch that lad. Because he actually scored for Leipzig away at Berlin. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Does like a little like a Zidane sort of turn and chips it over the goalkeeper. It got voted goal of the season last year. Um, have a watch of that kid. He's somewhat special. Yeah, I like him. And uh, we're going to the final game yesterday, which was not very entertaining, really. No, um, nil, Dusseldorf, nil. nil. Padamore, Pan- nil. Just two teams fighting at the bottom, really. Yeah, I think them, really, like, them two are probably going to go down. Yeah, definitely. They're always fighting. When, when are your two teams like Dusseldorf and Paderborn... You're always going to find it difficult in Germany's top flight because you haven't really got the finances that everybody else has got. Um, to be honest, it it wasn't a great game yesterday. 
nil-nil probably speaks volumes for the level of quality in the game. Um, and that's probably why both teams are going to go down, really. Uh, it's a bit of a shame. I mean, Paderborn have been a bit of a yo-yo club in the last couple of years in the Bundesliga. They've come, they've gone up, come back down, they've gone up, and it looks like they're going to go back down again. Um, it is a shame, but that's what happens when you're a smaller club, and especially in the German league, because there is some strong teams some in there. Big teams in that league. Um, you're always going to find it tough, really, mate. Yeah, so, you are. I think them two are going to go down anyway. Yeah, it's not, there's not really a lot we can. What about them two well, teams? To be honest, I'd love to be able to talk about the game, but there yeah, wasn't a lot to talk about. So, let's go on to today's games then. Um, SC Clone versus Mainz. How do you see this one going? Well, Cologne are above them in the table, and Cologne sitting tenth at the minute. Um, Mainz, they have been really, really poor this year. If you look at where they've come from, I'd say. Two or three years ago, from what I remember of watching bits of German football, they really, really was looking like there was going to be a constant challenger for the Europa League spots now. I mean, if you look at them, they're only just sitting above the relegation zone. Um, I mean, they're on 26 points, Mainz, and Dusseldorf are on... I mean, they're 16th with 23. They could go down yet this year. Um, Cologne, quite a steady team in the top flight, really. They'll probably threaten a few good results against the bigger sides, but that I think that's kind of where Cologne are as a club. Um, they have quite a steady growth of players, quite a steady squad, um, and a steady league position reflects it, really. Mainz are really struggling. What about FC Cologne? In terms of? How do you reckon they'll get on this, um, in this game? Well, I mean, if the league tables are anything to go by, you'd look at a Cologne win. Um, is it at Cologne or um, is it at Mainz? At, it's at Cologne. It's at Cologne. I'd probably fancy a home win because um, Cologne, they've scored 39 goals this year in letting 54. So that tells you that they score a few, but they let in a few. Um, I would expect a Cologne win here, really. Um yeah, I mean, look, Mainz, they're just really, really struggling this year. They found it really tough. Didn't, I might be wrong here, but didn't Bojan play for him for a season on loan? Bojan. Bojan from Stoke. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he used to play for uh, him. I, I think could be wrong. He, he sure was he in the German league, I believe, but I could, I mean, you'd have to check that one, mate. Leave a comment in the comment section if... Uh, yeah, please correct us. Because yeah, we're I'm sure he did. I'm sure he was very uninformed today. <laughs> Um, let's go on to the last Sunday game. Oh, God. Pardon me. Um, Union Berlin versus Bayern Munich. I think there's only one way this is going. I can't see anything other than an away win. I think that they're very strong, Munich. They've, I mean, since Kovac got the sack, I mean, you know I don't like to see any manager sack, but I think it needed to happen. Bayern Munich, the it, that, that's their baby, is the German... It's a Bundesliga title. If they let that go... It's like the world's ending there mm. because they're expected to win it every year. Kovac, I didn't think he was doing that bad a job, but since Hansi Flick, he, I think it, Hansi Flick was actually his assistant while Kovac was in charge, but he's took the reins of the team. They've gone on an unbelievable run since Hansi Flick became the caretaker manager. They've really, really gone from strength to strength because they was poor at the start of the season. Um, and there was a few points adrift of the teams at the top as well, but... That's what you. That's what you get when you've got such strength in your squad. 
Mm. I mean, Union Berlin are sitting 12th. But they've had a really surprise year. This mm. is their first year in the German top mm, flight, I, I believe. Um, very, very surprised. They beat Dortmund at the start of the year, uh, at the start of the season, sorry. I think it was it was either 1-0 or 2-1, but I think they're a surprise package this year because no way did I expect him to be mid-table. Like, I mean, I thought they'd definitely be one of the bottom three teams, but they've, they, they, they look to have an incredible unity in that squad. I think they know what they're up against. Like, I think getting Never to, Nevin Subotic in, who used to play for Dortmund, played yeah. in the Champions League, I think that's a masterstroke because I think he's a good defender and he's got plenty of experience. I think that'll have helped him no end. Um, I think, is it, just double check the standings for me, is it Anderson, the top scorer for Union Berlin? I'm sure it's it's either, a, I'm sure it's, Swede, it's a Swedish lad. You know more about it than I do, mate. Um, yeah, we're just double checking that because, um, yeah, Anderson on 11 goals for the season. Now, I think for your first season in the German top flight, I think that's a pretty respectable return. Is his name Sebastian Anderson? It is. I know what you're on about. Yeah. Very good player. Yeah, he's not bad actually. A bit of a quite a good goal scorer, steady. Um, I mean, if you're going to go down the standings in the goal table, you've got Lewandowski and Gnabry that are above him, but I think and we're and kind of expecting and Timo, that. And Timo Werner as well. Christ. Which is another topic which we'll get onto maybe later on. Yeah, I, um, I can't see anything other than a Bayern win. I think they'll be too strong for him, even away from home. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the clone mains. Can we have a score prediction from you on this one, please? Um, I'm going to say. 2-1 Cologne. Yep, yeah, fair enough. I'm going to go... I'll go 2-0 uh, FC Cologne. I will. And then we'll go on to Union Berlin and Bayern Munich. Look, I hope I'm wrong for... Ob- I mean, the, for Dortmund. <laughs> for Dortmund reasons, I hope that uh, I'm not right with this one. I'm going to go... I'm stuck between 3 or 4-1 Bayern Munich. I'm probably going to say 3-1 Bayern uh. Munich. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 4-1. I think Bayern Munich are just, just too strong. Yeah. I think they'll be too strong for him, yeah. but I'll be interested to see how it goes, really. Uh, and Union Berlin, one of the biggest things they've had this year is the fans' undying support. And without that there, I don't know how that's going to go. Fans are, not, fans are such a big part. in. Well, especially when you're a club that size. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you're relying on is your home form. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to really struggle today. I'm going to say 3-1. Leave your um, predictions in the comment section as well, guys. Let's uh, let's hear your predictions on these. Yeah, guys, If you, just an, on a quick kind of side story to that. If you do want to get involved, um, you can leave a comment in the comment section and have a debate about any teams, what scoreline do you think, if there's anything we missed. Don't be afraid to give feedback because that's something we really appreciate. Mm, definitely. It's going to help, definitely um, help the podcast, so feel free to do that. We've got one more game, uh, which is Monday night. Which is uh, Werner Brenner versus Bayern Leverkusen. Werder Bremen, wow. What a fall from grace. They have been absolutely appalling this season. I just you, don't get where, what's happened to them. You go back 10, 15 years, Werder Bremen was in the Champions League. Yeah. To where they are now, they couldn't be any further away from the Champions League if they tried. The only place their division is the second Bundesliga. Because they have been piss poor this year. Absolutely terrible. They cannot defend, Sam. I mean, you look look at the goals that they've shipped this year. They've scored 27 goals and conceded 50. So they're right, they're, they're, the, the, they're, right, they're right down there with the lowest goal scored, aren't they? I think they've got the worst 
They have. They've got the worst defensive... Worst defensive record. Yeah. In the league. Um, I think they're going to go down this year. And it's a massive shame for one of Germany's big, big football clubs to I go down. To, I have but, to agree with you, mate. But look, look what happened to Hamburg. Yep. They've they've followed the same trend, mm-hmm. you know, just struggling year upon year. Bremen now have been threatening this for a couple of years. I think they'll go down this year. They do not, they're not strong enough. I have to agree with you, mate. I just think... It's a shame. But yeah, it is a shame, mate, because Werder Bremen was such a big team. Years ago. Well, I remember when they won the German League. Mm. I mean, we're talking early to mid-2000s, but I remember Werder Bremen winning the league and being in European Cups. And now look at them. You know, it just shows what could happen to a football club if you lose a bit of direction and you kind of lose that focus. That's what can happen. Now, flip that on its head, Bayer Leverkusen, strong this year. Yeah. They've got a hell of a spine of the team now. You know, my man, Kai Havertz, unreal one of the best talents right. in the Bundesliga by a country right. mile. Kevin Volland's their top goal scorer with nine goals and seven assists. That's not a bad return, though. Because Volland is not a natural... I wouldn't call him a natural centre-forward where he's going to get you 15, 20 goals a year. But to weigh in with seven assists as well, when you, if you said nine goals on its own, you'd think, all right, he's, he's kind of respectable, but seven assists as well. Like, it shows the work that he does for the team. Uh, Leverkusen... Under Petter Bosch, who was the manager at Dortmund a few years ago, uh, didn't really work for him at Dortmund. He looks like he's really turned it round at Leverkusen. He's got a really strong spine to the team. I mean, Leverkusen is sitting in the Europa League spot right now. To be honest, I think they've pretty much secured it because they're on 47, Wolfsburg are on 39 and Leipzig are on 51. So there's a bit of a, you know... Barring a miracle, they will be in the Europa League mm, next definitely. year. Although, to be fair, they are still in it because depending on what's going to happen with that competition, yeah. they actually beat Rangers they away. Did. They did. Um, quite they never convincingly got, they never got as well. To play the no, they, yeah, they still have to play the home leg. Mm. And, well, I mean, do, anybody's guess what's going to happen with exactly, that competition. But exactly. Leverkusen, very strong team this year. So we'll go to score predictions. Yep, what on. are you saying? <sighs> Werner Benno got the worst defence in the league, mate. Um, Leverkusen, I think I'm just going to walk all over them. I'm going, I'm going 3-0. I'm going to go... I'm going to say 2-1 Leverkusen. I think because Bremen are playing Leverkusen, they have to turn up because Leverkusen will have the majority of the ball. Um, they do like to control the football and when you've got people like Aranguiz and uh, Kai Havertz in midfield, if they are available, they will take large parts of the game I'd like to think that Werder Bremen will put up a bit of a fight and I don't know if that's the sensitive side in me just praying and hoping that they do that Um, but yeah I do think Leverkusen will be a little bit too much for them yeah so that's the uh, German fixtures ran through let's talk about some football because there's been a bit of speculation this week about well, I don't know if I don't know if you've seen it or not. Um, Gary Neville and Carlos Tevez's agent. Oh, no, I love this one. I love this one. That was brilliant. Twenty-eight minutes, well worth watching, if you ask me. Yeah, go over and watch it if you've got um, a minute. It is on the. It's on the Sky Sports YouTube channel. Yeah, I go think. over and check it out. Um, I know I watched it and I was fascinated. 
to see what Kia Yurabchin had to say. Um, I do think, before I say anything else, I do think the guy represents Carlos Tevez quite well. I think he is also Carlos Tevez's friend, but my God, was he dodging some questions. He wasn't giving the full, he wasn't answering the question that Neville was asking him. And I found that really interesting. Now, anybody that remembers the Premier League from years ago, when when Mascherano and Tevez signed for West Ham, all that crap that came out about third-party ownership and Sheffield United went down as a result of Tevez and Mascherano essentially being able to sign for West Ham. When that story broke, I mean, I, I was only a teenager back then, but I remember all the controversy around it. And then when Tevez went on to United and Mascherano went to Liverpool, it I don't know it just I don't know if it was me being slightly ignorant by it, but it seemed to fizzle out a little bit. Now all this is resurfaced after Gary Neville asking, you know, basically saying Carlos Tevez down tooled. As a United fan, I don't think he down tooled. I just think that Ferguson kind of saw the light with him, and he knew that. He, from what I can gather and listening to different people talking about Tevez, that first year, that front three was unbelievable. Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez. Now, fast forward 12 to 18 months later, United by Berbatov. I remember that. I remember yeah, that. and I remember the day when we signed Berbatov. I couldn't believe it. I thought, what a signing that is. But then you think, from Carlos Tevez's point of view, you've come to the football club wanting to win leagues and be the big, big part of United. Now, unfortunately for him at the time, as well as us buying Dimitar Berbatov, we had Rooney and Ronaldo. Now, you're never going to shift them two from that starting lineup. They have to play every week. Not the way Rooney was on fire as well. I yeah. mean, that, that the Rooney back then, I think he gets a stupid amount of stick for what he did for Manchester United and the player that he was, and, and for England as well. Um, the Tevez situation was very interesting to me as a United fan, and I know you're not, but... I watched this quite closely because I thought Kia Rabchin actually represents him quite well and he comes across as more of a friend to Carlos Tevez than anything. Put it this way, I prefer Yurabchin to fucking Mino Raiola because I can't stand him. But I think, yeah, Neville had some very good points that didn't really get answered. People don't know who Mino Raiola is, it's Paul Pogba's agent. By yeah, um, well, I'm assuming if you listen to a football podcast, you'll you'll have heard Mino Raiola's name mentioned at some point, and probably not in a good light either, because the guy is well. I could say plenty of words that describe him. I'm not going to, but Leech is one of them. Mm. Just leeches onto people. I see him as what he's he's called a super agent. Well, I could think of plenty of other words <laughs> and phrases to describe him. I don't think that's one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Yurabchin did dodge a lot of things. I don't know, what's your thoughts on it? Because I thought he dodged a lot of questions that Neville was asking. Um, I think Neville... I think the way he came out and said that Gary Neville was in the wrong for saying what he did was a bit disrespectful to Gary Neville because I think Gary Neville had a very good point in what he was saying about it. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, I only listened to a bit of it because I, I fell asleep. So I didn't actually listen to it all. Um, pardon me, but the bits I did listen to, I think the way he was saying that Tevez was being a bit of a piss take at United when Berbatov and that come in, I just think the way he spoke to Neville was a bit downright disrespectful. One point, Sam, that got me 
was when Kia Rabchin was almost suggesting how could Neville know that Carlos Tevez was down mm. tooling. Well, I'll tell you how I've been able to tell, because when you share a fucking dressing room with somebody for two years, and Gary Neville was the fig- one of the figure points of that football club, one of the most respected people in that dressing room, how can he not notice? Exactly. He takes notice of everything. He's a Man United fan, for Christ's sake, so not only does he play for the club that he loved, he's a, he's a fan. And he's looking at Tevez every single day and he knows, he knows that there was a difference. The stats back it up. But Kia Yurabchin couldn't seem to grasp the concept that compared to his first season, Tevez's stats just was nowhere near. And Ferguson, I genuinely believe Sir Alex Ferguson saw the light with Tevez. I think he saw that he was becoming a bit... I wouldn't say a bad egg because I don't think Tevez is like that, but I think... He definitely wasn't playing at the sort of standard that he was in his first season, but I'm not suggesting anything because my opinion means nothing really in the grand scheme of things with that because I don't know all the details. I just think calling out Gary Neville saying that he can't trust his judgment, the guy shared a fucking dressing room exactly. with him for two years, so how could he not notice? You know, even if you even if you want if if you're going to a workplace tomorrow. And you look at someone who starts for the first six months, they're absolutely smashing it every day. Everybody loves them. They're getting on great. Then the next six months, you notice a difference in him. They're not trying as hard. Even if you, even if you was concentrating just on yourself, you'd still notice, wouldn't you? It's only the same as another workplace. You, you notice these things. So to say that Neville didn't know that, I thought that was a bit disrespectful. Because how can he mm. not notice? Mm. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> To be honest, Yurabchin, I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. Um, I actually thought, like I said, I've, I have said previously, I thought he represented Carlos really well. Um, and he does seem more like a friend. He knows a lot about his life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's all I can say on that, really. Uh, I was very interested to watch it, though. It was good watching. Quite I mean, interesting, I, the debate. Like I said, I only listened to a bit of it, and I didn't um, listen to the rest of it. But, yeah. We'll uh, wrap that topic up. Um, the next topic, um, League Two clubs vote to end season early. I mean, coronavirus pandemic. So, League Two clubs have voted to end the season. Big, that's, yeah, that's but big. But, there's big, big buts. The top three teams that are... Up there right now, which, which is Crew Swindon, Crew Swindon was and it, is Plymouth. It, is it yes, it yeah, was Plymouth. Plymouth. Yeah, sorry, was Plymouth. Them three teams will be going up now. I think this is going to be very fucked up because if you're taking teams up, you have to relegate teams. But they've already decided they're not relegating. They're not teams. relegating teams. So how are we going to work this out? Because well, the they've pro- also turned around and said they're not relegating the teams from the League 2 to the National League. But that's not fair to the National League teams but, to come up. But one thing you've got to remember, and I want to kind of step in on this because I followed this, obviously, with, with our... I mean, for for any of the listeners, we are from Scunthorpe, which is a steel-making town in, the no- in North East Link... Well, North Lincolnshire. Now... With Scunny playing in League 2, I do keep kind of an eye on what's going on in that division, just as a kind of heads up, really. Um, the, the the big spanner in the works, Sam, here, 
the big spanner in the works is that because Berry went out of business at the start of the season, there's still one league place to be taken. Mm. So which mm. means if they are going to promote any team from the National League, it's going to be Barrow because they're top of the league, but they're not relegating anybody. So you tell me how that's fair for the National League when teams get to a playoff because there's only two teams that go down from mm-hmm. League 2 and two teams that come up. So you tell me how that's fair on the other team that's up there now. It's not. It's, it's, I, it's not fair on the teams. I mean, if you're wanting to get in that league, to get into that, to the prim, into the League 2, sorry, that's where your money is. Like, I was that's a huge I was, step for any Exactly. League, I was but. listening to something the other day, and they were saying that the lower league teams are struggling for payments because... The money that they earn comes through the gates. They come through the turnstile. Yeah, that's all. The, that's, that's what all they the rely money. on. Yeah. So it's not fair on teams that like the league to like the lower league teams, like your Barrows, your Harrogate Towns, your, well, your teams like that, mate. Yeah, because I, I mean, we're just looking at the league now, and Barrow are top on seventy points, and Harrogate Town are second on sixty-six points. Now you tell me how that's fair on the teams in the playoffs, which is Harrogate Town. Notts County, Yeovil, Yeovil who've only yeah. just come out of the Football yeah. League. And Notts County have. Boreham Wood, FC Halifax, and Stockport County, which are in the playoff places. Now, you tell me how that's fair on them teams that are all vying for a place in League Two. How's that fair on them teams when they've worked their bollocks off all year to get where they are? And especially Harrogate Town. Mm-hmm. I mean, crying out loud... Did, they were playing in the Conference North not so long ago, and now they've got a chance of getting promoted into the Football League. I mean, look, Barrow deserved to go up. If you are going to promote a team, they're top right now, so they would probably go up. But I just, I, I mean... You, it's, not, it's not fair. It takes all the integrity team. away mm. from it, Sam, if you ask mm. me. It takes all the integrity away from the sport. I understand we're living in really difficult times. I get that. And decisions, very difficult decisions, are having to be made to try and prevent a load of... Just a massive shit show. But I think the teams in the playoffs can count themselves very unlucky because they're it's lucky like they're not going to get a chance to have a go at the playoffs and try to get to Wembley and get to the the Football League. I think that's very unfair. It's not fair on, it's not fair on the lower league teams. It's really not. I mean, Barrow, Christ, if they go up, it'll be the first time they've ever been in the Football League. Under a, Ian Everett, who used to be a league footballer for Blackpool, mm. um, as as well as a few others, Chesterfield I think was another one. Mm-hmm. You know, a new manager only just finished playing really in the last couple of years. He's took Barrow now. What looks like he's going to take him to the football league. I still think it's lost its integrity, though. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at the League Two table now. Right, Crew have played thirty seven games, sixty nine points. Swindon are in second, have played 36 games with 69 points. Plymouth have played 37 with 68 points. Now, obviously Swindon have got a game in hand, and so have Cheltenham. Now, if we go into the playoffs, Exeter are in fourth. They've played 37, they're on 65. Cheltenham are in fifth, which are on, who are on 36. Which is 64 points they're on. Now, you think, right, if there was to win that game in hand, yeah, that then takes them to 67. Which means they're only one point out of the playoffs. Now, obviously, I'm from down south. Plymouth is my nearest team. 
But how is that fair on the teams that are in that playoff position for them to be pushing for that championship, champions position? Do you know what I mean? Do you know know what I'm getting from? Do you know what I'm coming from? Yeah, do you know what I'm coming from? How is that fair on the teams like Cheltenham that that have got a game in hand... That want that have been working so hard all season for them just to promote the three teams that are at the top now, as in Crewe, Swindon, and Plymouth. Well, it's not fair. It's is it? not fair, and I think if they're doing it, I think it's bang out of order. Well, they have yeah. to carry the season on because it's not fair, and it's the same as Forest well, Green. They've Green already as decided well. now, haven't they? Yeah, it, they've they already are, decided it that they're not going to carry it on, which is a massive shame. It's not fair on the teams that have only played. It's not fair. Yeah, or they've played thirty-six games that could. Rate or push for that. Forest. I. I mean, I was listening to something about Forest Green Rovers, chairman, and he was saying, "How is that fair when they're on forty nine points and not Northampton on fifty eight? But I mean, they're only nine points behind them. There's Do you know plenty, what I mean? Plenty of games. There's plenty left. of games for teams like that, and it's just. I think it's just killed it. I think. I think they've just ruined it. Do you know the biggest point for me was, and I, I and I listened to uh, Five Lives Football Daily. Every day, the podcast, obviously in this lockdown, there isn't a great lot else to do. And you know, I love podcasts, so I thought, right, I'll watch it. I'll listen to it, should I say. Port Vale's chairman, uh, Carol, I can't remember her last name, but she did an interview with Five Live, um, basically explaining, look, I mean, if you look at the playoff positions now, they're one point outside the playoffs. Mm. They was one of the teams that, through gritted teeth, I might add, voted to end the season to kind of... Just like basically null and void it. So because I mean that takes balls. You're a chairman of a football club that's trying to get into the playoffs. To get promoted to League One, and you're talking about a big cash injection there, and absolute hats off to her because she was so honest and she said, "Look, I had to ring the manager and tell him that I that we as a club." voted to end the season now can you imagine how the manager felt but that's his chairman I mean to be fair to her she had the balls to ring him and she had to tell him that she's voted to end the season now so that means that Port Vale are going to stay in League 2 next year Mm. and they're not going to have a chance at the playoffs either I mean fair play to her because she's took a very courageous decision there but that's it's like it's football clubs like that that could be seriously impacted next year Um. I mean, Port Vale as a club are fairly fortunate that I think they run on a tight ship, obviously, with being a, a low, well, traditionally a mid to lower end yeah. League Two club, but they run on a tight ship and they work the finances out well. Can you imagine how gutting that is for them having to give up, having to vote to give up the season after being one point outside the playoffs? It's heartbreaking, isn't it? Well, it is I really. Mean, I'm looking at the relegation as well. Stevenage went 24th. But they deserve to go down there. This is what yeah, annoys me. They were poor this season. Macclesfield Town, I think, but they. they uh, well, I know there's problems going on behind closed there's doors. There's big things there. that could happen there because they they might get another points deduction. Yeah. From what I've been hearing, that would seriously, seriously go against. I them. mean, I I have I have a Macclesfield Town player on my Instagram, and if anyone watches Jordan Shaw, it's Holly Hagen's partner Jacob Blythe. He plays for yeah, I've, he I've plays for Macclesfield Town, and he come out the other week and said. They're struggling to pay me my full wages. They're, they're struggling. Now that, from a player to come out and even say that, mate, is... It's very rare. Yeah. It's, it's quite rare, rare, actually, to be honest, that the player would come out and say that. 
Um, I think you've got to give him props for saying it. I think he, I'd be surprised if he hasn't consulted someone at the club first before he said that, because to release that info, if nobody knows it, he's criminal, really. It is, mate. Um, I, I do actually know who you mean as well, because I'm sure he started at Leicester. I'm he sure, did. I'm he sure did. he was at Leicester. Yeah, I thought it was him. Um, it's a very sad, very sad state for Macclesfield. Um, the club's it's been on such a bloody roller coaster ride in this last 18 months. I mean, Saul Campbell taking over by absolute miracle. He kept him up last season. The struggling to pay players. I mean, from what I've been hearing, they could start next season with a points deduction. Sad times for Macclesfield Town, really, after only just getting back in the football league as well. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. I mean, Scunny have got. They've got little for loose, really. Because they've been poor this season as well. Well, Scunny, they've, they've been poor. I mean, I do follow. Um, the Iron Brew podcast on Spotify. Um, I follow bits from the club. I've got the. I follow the page on Facebook. Just so I can kind of. Keep, I mean, I did used to be a season ticket holder for a few years. I used to go with my granddad for oh, a number of years. Um, we used to sit in the evening Telegraph stand, as it was called back then. I don't even know what it's called now. Um, but the chairman Peter Swan has already come out and said that next year will be a youth building policy. We will be promoting youth rather than paying over the odds for people. I mean, um, so that kind of shows what direction the club are going in. I mean, they got rid of some big players, really big players. Rory McCardoff, one. That, that I can't understand that one. Um, they got rid of the, they got one. rid of a lad who's scunny born and bred in Levi Sutton, who I used to play with years ago. Before I got yeah, scouted. I went to school with his sister as well. Um, who else did they get rid of? Andy Butler, another one that's gone. I think that Andy Butler was different though because he's gone to take up a coaching role. He, um, I think it was with Doncaster Bells actually, yeah, the women's right. team. There's just James Perch, a former big player at Newcastle United. He was on big money at one point. They released him. I just think Scunny just need to have a rebuild this season. Well, they or, are doing or, what they're or, choosing you for. Or next season. But they need to bring players in next season because Scunny should not be fighting for relegation to non-league football well I mean Christ how we started the season I thought we was looking at non-league football I think Scunny's best result of the season was against Grimsby when they beat them away I think yeah, that was Scunny's yeah, best we, season we beat them, we, we, our we, best game sorry we beat them 1-0 away and then didn't turn up at all for the home game and no. lost 2-0 so that just kind of shows you really what kind of season Scunthorpe United have had mm. um very, very sad, mate. But I think with the financial implications of the lockdown, the club's getting no money. We're losing money every week. And I've seen it. And I think it was like... I mean, I could be misquoted on this, but I think it was between three and £4,000 a week they was losing, which is a huge amount of money for Scunthorpe United Football Club. Yeah. Um, very sad times. But you can understand why the chairman's doing it. He feels like he has to cut his... Cut his cloth accordingly. I'm not quite sure on the future for Scunny. I think if we go into next season and don't start well, I think we're going to really struggle. I uh, yeah, I agree, mate. I think Scunny. They just need. They just need to have a. They need to have a good start in pre-season, and they need to just just hit the ground running from there and just go from the off. We need to start well. Yeah, I think. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about, mate? Transfers or anything? Trans- I mean, got, transfer we've... talk is pretty scarce at the moment really with everything going on 
I don't really think any business will be done until players' contracts run out. So you're looking at next month or the month after. Um, transfer talk. There's rumours, but you know what it's like with the big newspapers at the minute because they ain't got a lot to talk about. There's no sport really apart from German football. They're looking to create headlines, so I don't think I don't believe a lot of it. I know. I... No, I mean we'll just just have to keep uh, keep our ears open and our eyes peeled. Yeah, and I mean, see it, what happens. Just uh, like as another co- kind of side story, we will be looking and we'll be keeping an eye on the transfer talk over the next couple of weeks um, as we get kind of further into this podcast, which, as I mentioned before, will be weekly fingers crossed we've got something to talk about transfer wise because mm. it's like everyone's keep keeping kind of tight-lipped at the minute nobody's really saying a lot either there's not really a lot of info coming out I mean we've heard the Timo Werner to Liverpool thing but I don't really think there's any substance in that yet there's a cooler barley cooler barley to Newcastle or Liverpool is one of them oh it's my just... god like literally they're clutching at straws yeah, aren't they they're looking just... for anything yeah. cooler barley to Newcastle look as as filthy rich as they're going to be <laughs> um, I, I still can't see Koulibaly going to Newcastle I, I think if he's going to go anywhere he'll go a big European side uh, exactly. looking, well it was looking like Man United at one stage um, I don't think they'll pay the money I don't think they'll pay that much for him I think 80-90 million is a bit of a steep ask really I mean he's getting old now he is he's not young and he's I not think he's young. a great defender no, my god if you offered him to me I'd take him yeah. but I still don't think for that money I mean Look, people slight Harry Maguire. I think he'll be a brilliant captain of our football club. I do. I'm a Man United fan. I have been since a young boy. And I tell you, mate, he'll be a good captain for United. Do you think they gave him captaincy too early? No. No, I don't. Why? Because Solskjaer knows the club inside out, mate. And I don't question his judgment when it comes to knowing what a captain of Manchester United needs. What qualities you need to have and how you need to act in and around the football club. I mean, the, the the work that he's been doing recently to set up the kind of funds for the people who are struggling in the lockdown period, I think that kind of says everything about what kind of bloke he is because um, he actually didn't get prompted by anybody to do that. He t- he, d- he decided, with, with Jordan Henderson being another one, that they wanted to set up this kind of fund um, to be able to help with the lockdown period. We've got a few more minutes left, mate. Um... Let's just quickly go on to Man United. Who are you looking forward to? Looking for who are you looking forward to watching next season? Bruno Fernandes. I knew he was going to say that. Well, it's obvious. It's the obvious yeah. choice to go to. Look how the guy's been since he's come in. He's been a breath of fresh air. Exactly what we needed. Um, I mean, I've spoke to you before at length about um, next year and kind of where we're going to go. I think. With some of the transfer targets, albeit from a while ago, if we do get some of the players we're looking at, I think we could be definitely top four next year. I trust Solskjaer, I do. I like how he's turned it round. He's had people on his case from day one. He went on that mad run of winning game after game. They didn't lose for, like, what was it, 13, 14 matches. They had a bit of a sticky period. They was pretty inconsistent at the start of the season. I think the guy's turned it round really, really well. And I think he looks like he's got the backing of the players, which is the biggest thing at United. Well, I don't think Mourinho had that. Uh, Solskjaer, I just trust the guy to do a good job, mate. I think he's a club legend. He know how he knows how the place works. He holds all the values of the club dear. He loves the football club. There's no reason to not trust him. 
the the guy really is a relative newcomer in terms of how long he's been managing. Forget Cardiff City because that was one of his first jobs. Molder, all right, it's not in a great league. Still won league titles. I'm not clutching at that, but I do think you know. I think people overlook it because it's not a big European league. I just trust him to do a good job. But in terms of what you asked me before, Bruno Fernandez is one. Brandon Williams, another one. I really, really rate him. Every time I've gone to see him, he's been outstanding. He's got a bit of nastiness about him as well, which you need to succeed at the top level, especially at a club like Man United. Um, yeah, a bit Brandon Williams. I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. I think Aaron is going to come on leaps and bounds again next year. He is already one of the best fullbacks in the Premier League. Um, I think with a good, with a bit of coaching on how to go forward a bit more and his end product, I think he could be a very very good player for United next year. Really well rounded fullback. Yeah. Um, just to touch on it quickly, the takeover at Newcastle. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's just it's dragging on. It's this drag. Obviously, I'm I'm a Newcastle United fan. If no none of you guys know, it's just dragging on now. It's it's just taking the mick a bit, really. I mean, the paperwork's been signed and stuff. The money's been put on the table. We're just, we're just waiting for the Premier League, and I, I, there's not a lot we can talk about, mate, with the takeover. I mean, if it happens, which it's looking like it is going to happen, then fair play. But like like we've just said about transfer, mate, we can't really talk about it because. Notes come out about it. They're not really saying no, much. No, they're not saying much. They're not. So I can't really say anything, mate. I can't. I mean, I'd love to, but I just can't. There's nothing to talk about with it. Do you, do you think, if you was going to sway one way or the other between yes and no, do you think the takeover will happen? Yes, 100%. Well, I think it's going to happen. I, I've seen little bits that... It's just, it, that would worry me if I was a Newcastle fan. But I know what you. I know what you're on about. You're on about the Roma thing, and it's it's a load of bullshit. It's, it's not. Yeah, but I, 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 if I were you, Sam, I'd look into that a little bit further because, mm, I mean, look, things cannot get made up in newspapers, but there can also be big rumours as well and big news. So I would look into that a little bit because it was quite interesting to see what they had to say. Really, um, yeah, I would look into that. Look. I've said it before that I hope Newcastle do get taken over because I think the fans deserve better than what they've got for the last 12 years. I'm glad that Ash- Ashley has decided to sell the club. If the Saudi owners come in, then great, because it can only be good for Newcastle and start building them as a football club again and really put some money in, not just to the football club, but the area. Um, through gritted teeth, I'll say I hope it does happen. You'll become the richest club in the Premier League. <laughs> But I guess we'll have to keep our eyes peeled, ears to the ground and wait and see, won't we? We will, mate. We will. Anyway, guys, that's the end of the podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening from me and Reese. Um, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, leave a like. Leave a comment um, on the fixtures. Um, we're going to bring another one out next week. We are. So hopefully you guys can listen to that one as well. Uh, make sure you stay tuned in turn on that notification bell and from me and Reese, we are out of here au revoir peace peace